0: And now, please welcome your hosts, Amy and Trey Castles. Hey, everyone. It's Amy Castles. I have Brittany Atkinson on the phone today. She is my best friend since fourth grade and fifth grade, and she is an artist, and she's absolutely amazing. you got to check her out, but I want you to hear her story first because it's going to bring a tear to your eye, and it's going to move you in your seat, and you're going to look at your life and say, wow. What could I do to get into my creative zone and do what I love and pursue my passion? Here she is. Hey. Hey, it's Amy. Can you come over and spend the night? Yeah. So Brittany, say hello.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to have this conversation together. You and I, we speak almost daily and it's, cool to be able to jump into this part of your life and do this with you.
0: So it's going to be interesting asking you questions that I already know the answer to, but I'm going to do my best to ask these questions in a way that keeps our conversation interesting, but also helps everyone to kind of understand why I was wanting you on this podcast. And through my health coaching, we've learned a lot about primary food. We've learned about secondary food. And part of primary food that we need in our life is our creativity. And you have unleashed this creativity within you over the past couple of years. Like who knew after, how old were you when you started really getting into your artwork? It was about four years ago. Who knew that in this later part of your 30s, that early 40s, that you would just really shine and find where you're at and just get to this level. So Brittany is fully immersed as an artist right now, and I'm so proud of you, and it's been awesome to watch your journey. And I want to talk about it, and I want to help inspire others to unleash the creativity within them because it's a huge part of our overall wellness. Okay. Yeah. so, So... Tell us where you're located.
1: I am in Austin, Texas, originally from the Houston area where you and I grew up together. But I came out here about 20 years ago, and now I call Austin home with
0: my wonderful husband and two small boys. What was your earliest interest in art? I mean, I I know this answer, but tell us about when you (laughs) first became interested in the arts in general. I started drawing
1: at a young age with my grandmother we used to make little storybooks together. And I remember drawing farm animals and landscapes and portraits of women. And so I always loved to draw and, and continue to do that through grade school. But it wasn't until third grade that I kind of started figuring out, oh, I really like the art because I would draw, I would paint. I love theater. I love movies. I love everything that had to do with expressing yourself, um, being vulnerable and creative. And so I really started diving into it in third grade. So
0: it's been a long time that I've drawn and and been involved in that. I would say as far back as I can remember, you had some sort of artwork in your room that you were painting or you were drawing. And do you remember our big markers? what were they the mr. Yeah. mr sketch they smelled so good every every marker uh-huh. smelled amazing <laughs> you always had art around in some sort of way and you were always pursuing theater okay <laughs> remember leonardo dicaprio on your ceiling in high school
1: oh yeah you know what <laughs> <laughs> still, still, no shame with how in love I was with Leonardo, like so many other girls in the nineties.
0: <laughs> I remember Romeo and Juliet when the movie came out. You were like, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, you were just. It, I think even at Halloween one time, you dressed up as Renaissance or something. I why don't no, have a I remember? That was, that was prom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh Lord,
1: I went with a big fluffy skirt dress and I had my hair curled with ringlets and pulled it back and was trying to channel that. But, you know, I'd fallen in love with Shakespeare and with theater, like I said, at a young age. And, And I knew Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet and Macbeth and As You Like It. I knew all of these plays. And so I had already read them. And then when the movie came out, And there was this gorgeous guy, Leonardo DiCaprio, playing Romeo. I just lost it. I was like, oh, my goodness, the worlds collide. My little teenage throbbing heart looking at Leonardo DiCaprio and then my love of Shakespeare. It was just it kind of it opened up another world for me. That movie definitely inspired me in more ways than just having a crush on a guy to continue following that path. And in fact, the next year, I
0: wouldn't work at the Renaissance Festival in Plannersville, yeah. Texas, because that's how much I loved the arts and acting and, and all of it. I still every time I go to the Renaissance festival, I think of you because you were so beautiful, just this tall, gorgeous blonde in this beautiful Renaissance dress, which I wish you still had that so <laughs> I could borrow it because the Renaissance <laughs> Festival is literally like fifteen minutes from my house <laughs> so mm-hmm. but I remember you just being so engulfed into the arts but but something changed, and you'd kind of left that and you didn't really pursue it, and kind of I remember you being talented with you know your decoration or crafting when you wanted to, but not like now. what happened? What was different? Well, let's
1: see. I continued doing all of those things, um, drawing, painting, crafting, being creative within school and helping other students follow their their creative pull. But I started when I went to college, I still kind of drew a little bit of sketchbooks around my house and journals. but when I was 20, my father, who I was very close with and loved dearly, he lost his battle with cancer and he passed away actually 20 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. And when he did, to say that I was devastated would be a wild understatement. Um, it completely wrecked my world. And all of a sudden, this carefree, creative, wild little girl that I was, just everything with that part of me just shut down and it stopped. And the reality of life became very apparent. And I sunk into a deep depression. At the time, I was in complete denial about it. But there was no way around not being completely impacted by that experience. And so everything within me just kind of stopped. I wasn't creative. I wasn't pursuing those things. I didn't feel free. I didn't feel inspired. I felt sad. And it was like that for a couple of years. Until I couldn't take it anymore. And so I just, gosh, I got to move on. I mean, I'm 20, 21, 22. Like, I've got to live my life. My friends are going to college. Everybody's having a good time traveling. Some of my friends are getting married, like you and Trey. And I just wanted to find happiness. And I couldn't figure out how to do it until one day I was on a walk. And this idea just came to me. I thought, gosh, what did I used to do whenever I was a little girl? What did I do when I was a kid? What did I love to do? That made me happy. Maybe I just I should start there, and then all of a sudden, I thought to myself, ah, I've got to draw again. I've got to paint. I've got to get back into the art. And so that next, I was in college at the time. That next semester, I signed up for an art class, and I poured myself into it. And I continued taking art classes in college. And then I started figuring out where the local plays were, and I would go to theater and I would watch shows, and I would by myself and just be in that, that world. And I opened myself up to it again. I slowly started finding, oh, this is something that makes me on a deep soulful level, truly happy. I felt like in that moment, especially moments of grief, it's so important to find something that is for yourself, that you love to do, where you can rest from the reality of a tragedy like that, where your mind doesn't have to be constantly consumed with it, where your body can relax And for me, that was creativity. And it was this beautiful experience that I had every time that I sat down to draw or paint. And I carried that with me until I graduated college. And then I had to dive into the real world.
0: That time, you dove into the real world. You started your job. You were in sales, completely separate from art got busy. I remember you got into you ran a marathon. You were mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of living the single life and ha- having a great time in Austin, Texas, but then you got married, you had children, two boys, high energy, very creative, lots of fun, active little boys. <laughs> two, well, two, just two. <laughs> but then what happened after you had them? After my
1: first child was born, I was still working and I had a nanny that was helping out with him. And so everything was okay. I was able to manage it because I was able to get out of the house and work for a few hours during the day and then come home. So I wasn't completely consumed with motherhood. But my second child came along and I decided to stop working and become a stay-at-home mom. And I did not anticipate, I knew it would be challenging. I'd heard all the stories of how hard it is to be a stay-at-home mom, but I did not anticipate the hormonal change, the intensity of hormonal change that I would have after my second child and and the anxiety that I would feel because of that hormonal change and the pressure of taking care of an infant and a two-year-old because my children were two years apart. And it, it was one of the most challenging experiences to be completely responsible for two human beings and their survival while you're a complete mess with your hormones and sleep deprivation with newborns. And I all of a sudden started feeling that same despair and anxiety, not so much depression, but just, Oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm, I'm in this wheel. I can't get out of it. Very similar to the feeling that I experienced when my dad passed, just this fog of, I just felt stuck. Like I was walking through mud. I'll never forget about a year and a half after my son was born. And it had been a rough day. My kids hadn't slept the night before, and my husband came home, and I was at my limit. And I was crying when he walked in the door. He said, "Oh my gosh, what's wrong?" So we I put a show on for the kids, and we went into another room. And I said, "I can't do it. I'm losing my mind. I, I'm so tired and so frustrated, and I, I feel like my hormones are all over the place. I don't have anything for myself. I'm pouring everything that I have into my family, into you, and to you know us thriving because I, I felt like I could." Quote unquote," do it all. And it was too much. And I was expecting for him at the time to do what normal people do and say, oh, well, I'm so sorry you're going through this. It's a season. This will pass. Hang in there. What can I do to help out? But he didn't do that. He looked at me and he said, well, what are you going to do about this? And what's great about that with my husband is It was a challenge and I had always been challenged by my father. (laughs) So in a way, this was another challenge to me. I didn't take it as, oh, you're not supporting me. You're not helping me. You're abandoning me in this. I did not feel that way at all. I thought, you're right. The only person that's in control of my reality right now is me. How am I going to change that? What do I need to do to make room and space for myself so I can show up for me and I can fill my cup? So I can turn around and be the best version of myself for my children, for my husband, and for my friends and family. And so I went and took a walk, just like I had done a couple years after my dad passed. And in that walk, it all came back. I need to get back to the things that make me happy, the things that I love to do, the place where my soul is fulfilled. And that was being creative and painting and drawing. And so the very next day, I went, to uh, I cleaned out a spare bedroom. I went to the art store. I bought an easel, pencils, charcoal, and paint. And I set up a studio. I said, "This is it. This is what I'm going to do. I am going to paint." And I had no anticipation, no expectation. Excuse me, creating a business, selling my work. I just knew this is something I needed to do for me. That's how it kind of got started uh, four years ago.
0: With I my can't journey, I can believe it's um,
1: already been four years.
0: I cannot cannot believe. I I remember that moment. I mean, you and I talk so often and I just remember you saying, yeah, I cleaned out my art studio. I'm going to start painting. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, I remember all the artwork that you did as a kid. You and I would, we would paint posters or draw letters back and forth and paint signs and all kinds of stuff just for fun. And you always had an excellent natural talent, but something shifted within you. And it was, you busted out these paintings and it was like, whoa, I didn't know you could draw like that. I didn't know you could paint like that. And it wasn't just your work is so beautiful with all the bright colors. And it does a fantastic job of really shining light on the different types of women out there, women of different color, different ethnic groups, different styles. And I just love it. It's absolutely beautiful. And from the get-go, and by the way, if you're just looking at it on Instagram, it doesn't do it justice. I've seen her artwork many times in person, and it's definitely something that you're staring at. You're looking at it in a close-up. You're looking at the paint strokes and you are inspired by all the bright, beautiful colors. Colors are are here for a reason. It's good for our eyes to see color and you're looking at the textures. So what is your, did you always have this style? I mean, what you've kind of gone through this process and you've changed your style a few times, but at the same time you're still staying within the same area. What has been your inspiration? That's a great question.
1: And A lot of that goes back to my roots in theater. So whenever I became obsessed with Shakespeare and all of his plays, I started branching out. You know how when you watch a movie and the movie's over and you don't want the movie to end and you maybe go and like Google the people who were in the movie and you want to know more about that time period or what was going on? That's basically what happened to me whenever I was, learning about Shakespeare. I was like, oh, when did this happen? And then, oh, the Renaissance period." And then I started learning about that. And through that, I discovered Queen Elizabeth I. And I remember reading a a biography about her, I think in third or fourth grade and going, oh my gosh, this woman was incredible. Just this powerful, ambitious, tenacious, confident, brave woman who was ruling a kingdom in a time where it was a very male-dominated world, a very male-dominated court that she had. And not only that, she had a completely different religion than what was widely accepted at the time. She's a Protestant, and Catholicism was what everybody was used to practicing, the religion they were used to practicing. So she inspired me. She's one of my heroes. I still love any movie or biography or podcast or anything that has to do with her. I'm always drawn to Queen Elizabeth. And then I started noticing a trend. I kept being drawn into these strong, powerful, brave, courageous women. And the next was Joan of Arc. And then it was, I started reading Jane Austen, Virginia Woolf, and oh, Virginia Woolf in high school. I fell in love with her. And then it was Emily Dickinson, the poet, and then Amelia Earhart, Margaret Thatcher. And then I moved into Oprah, Maya Angelou, and then more recently, Brene Brown. And all of these women, they just, they inspired me in my own journey to be to be this, that kind of a woman and to follow my passions and my dreams and to make things happen because if you have a will and then there's a way. So when I started painting, to bring back to bring it back to your question, when I started painting, these women were with me. They were guiding me to do this to make. They were guiding me in the first simple step of making time for myself every day, whether it was. When my children were taking a nap first thing in the morning before they woke up or maybe 30 minutes at night after they went to bed. And it wasn't a lot of time at first, but I made a promise to myself to do it every day because these women inspired me to do that. And as they got older, the time blocks got longer and longer. And whenever I would draw, I wanted to draw and paint women. I wanted to paint these beautiful, confident, um, powerful, colorful women, because it's what I wanted to mirror within myself at the time. I wanted to find that version of me. And so I painted it. And in a lot of ways, I think us as artists, we try to discover something about ourselves through the creative process. There's a learning journey that is there as we move forward in our development as an artist. I was doing that for a year or so. And then I started going to open galleries in Austin. And I went to a gallery show here and I I met this artist, Maxine Price. She lives in um, Wimberley. She's in her late 60s. Wonderful, beautiful human. And her work just, it was so beautiful. There's so many layers and so much depth and depth and texture and brush strokes and marks. And I remember talking to her and I just said, gosh, I'm so, I'm, Drawn to your work. I'm inspired by it. And she looked at me and she said, Is this what you want to do? Do you want to be an artist? Because I hadn't told her I wanted to at the time, like pursue it and sell my work. And when she asked me that question, an overwhelming feeling came over me and my eyes filled with tears. And I said, Yeah, I do. I want to do this. And she invited me out to her studio and we had a long talk and she kind of gave me some tips and some pointers. And I went back to the studio that next day and and kept painting and she said just do it every day and you'll watch the more you do it the better you get and don't just be self-taught you know reach out to other artists ask questions figure out how you can do this and I did because I did not get a degree in art I did not I mean I took classes in college but I did not pursue that as a as a primary focus so I did a lot of self-teaching I reached out to a lot of people I asked a lot of questions and they were all women (laughs) But again, there's a theme. And so even these people, this Maxine Price and even these other artists who I reached out to, they all, their their influence, as, as well as the women who I initially mentioned, pour through my fingertips
0: onto these canvases. And you definitely can see that when you are looking at your art. Because even just the, the pictures that I have or the artwork that I have, when you look at them you're like, wow, I really want to know this lady. She's gorgeous. Oh, her earrings are cute. Aww. And by the way, I should tell you, you know, artists come in all shapes and sizes and looks and styles. Brittany is always dressed to the nines. So you've had – I mean, that doesn't mean that you're like crazy spender on clothes. You just know how to dress for your body. You have a very classic, amazing style. I wish you could just just dress me, tell me everything (laughs) I need to wear. And your house, you've always decorated so well. And your use of color, obviously, because you're an artist. But I feel like these things pour into your artwork as well because Brittany will paint art – or she'll paint wallpaper – on the back or a texture or maybe some earrings. So her ability to have amazing style comes through on the artwork, and her ability for uh, interior decorating also comes in with some of the artwork that you've painted that has furniture or wallpaper or something in it. Mm. And I love that. I just I love how you use the various colors. You've inspired me to put more color in my house because I guess we've kind of gone to this – area of – and by the way, this is a a whole other lesson. I have wanted to learn how to buy artwork for my house, but I didn't know how because I would try and look at the artwork and say, oh, that's not the colors that I use. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. with your help, I've understood better that when you decorate, if you do decorate more on neutral tones and have a few pops of color, you give room for the artwork to come in. And when you are at a show or you look at a website and you're looking at artwork, you can say, wow, this piece inspires me and this feeds my soul. I will not get tired of looking at this piece as I go down the hall a hundred times a day. And with your decorations being kind of in a neutral area or a neutral tone, you can put a piece of art that's one color scheme on one area, one wall, and then another piece that is completely different color. And it all sort of flows. It flows beautifully and perfect. But I feel like we have this kind of thought or limiting belief that, oh, we need to do this like farmhouse look and nothing can can shake it up. And you got to go to Hobby Lobby and get an exact picture that matches. No, fill your house with artwork that inspires you.
1: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you just said, I want a piece of art that inspires me that that does that moves me in a certain way. So every time I walk down the hallway, and I look at it, I get that same experience. That's I think what what most people or what's been lost with art is you don't, you can absolutely buy artwork to match your home, right to match the the color palette that you've chosen for your living room or your bedroom. But for me personally, buying something because it has moved me or because I love it or because it represents something that I see within myself, that's the kind of work that you want in your home. And that's what makes it so much more personal. Yeah. You know, the neutral palette that you talk about right now, that's very, it's just, it's on trend. It will phase out just like most color palettes phase out every 10 years. Like it was, you know, gray. Or it was a uh, brown for a while in the early 2000s. And then it
0: turned into gray. Everything's hey, what you, gray. What are you trying to say? White. Are, you, are you trying to drop a little plug? Because all my walls were brown, <laughs> brown, gold, brown. <laughs> you know, hey,
1: that's the deal. That's what people did for a while. And it was, but that is, that's how it goes. Things change. And then they will come back into style. But the one thing that is consistent is a beautiful piece of art and you can put that beautiful piece of colorful art on a Brown wall, on a gray wall, on a red wall. If you look back into history and you look, especially like these, uh, these historical books or even some of these historical shows, and you see a lot of Europe has so much more texture and wallpapers and colors. Like you don't see when you watch a a movie, uh, in France or in Italy, you do not see in these very wealthy royal families you don't see a white wall you don't see a blue wall a gray wall you see textures colors and then you see artwork on top of it so it doesn't have to be a neutral tone for you to enjoy a colorful you can have anything and you don't have to completely reinvent your home in order to enjoy artwork if it speaks to you then that's the purpose of the artist the artist wants that experience for you as the buyer and the owner of artwork to have
0: Okay, so this brings me to the next point, which I guess this is not really related to what you're just saying, but it did before. So you talked about getting up every day and going in there and making a commitment. Okay, since I have known you, you have been a very disciplined individual. I don't remember a time that you weren't disciplined. I was the one that was bouncy like a bounce ball all over the page inconsistent with a lot of the things that I do, totally ADD. But you have been consistent. And that stemmed from obviously it's just who you are. It's your personality. You also learned a lot of that from your dad. You played sports. You learned so much through playing basketball. pretty how old are you? How tall are you? Five eleven? Five eleven, yeah. Yeah. So Britney played basketball. She was really great at it, but she needed to get better. Her dad told her, Hey, get out there and shoot a, shoot a thousand hoops a day. But he said, <laughs> But what'd you say? No, I can't do a thousand. What was that? No,
1: he said, Because he, Kobe Bryant was, I, I loved Kobe Bryant at the time. And he said, Oh, well, Kobe goes out there and he shoots a thousand baskets a day, Britt. So if you don't want to sit on the bench, you better start practicing. And I thought, Oh, great. Well, I can't shoot a thousand baskets a day, but how, I'll try a hundred which was a lot for me, you know, as a freshman to commit to. But I did, I committed to it. All, one summer, completely committed to every single day shooting a hundred baskets. And boy, the difference between how many shots I could make at the beginning of the summer versus the end was a night and day difference. It just it completely elevated my game. But yeah, going back to your point on discipline, I was disciplined enough to do that. But I wanted to, that's the difference. Like you can try to be disciplined in an area that you're not passionate about and it's not going to work. Well, Discipline comes easily when you love what you're doing.
0: Yes, and I but I've seen that come out in you. I remember whenever your dad said, well, you need to get stronger abs, so you need to get on this Mm -hmm. stool. Do you remember the stool? He said, hold on to the stool and do the reverse crunches to get your abs in shape. By the way, Brittany is also in amazing shape and has great health and has always pursued amazing holistic health. But you would do all those crunches, and I think it was 100 crunches a day he said to do. I remember when you were training for your marathons. You were consistent. You showed up. You went. So I'm not surprised that you've made these little goals for yourself. Like, okay, I can't paint eight hours a day like maybe some artists do, but I can do a couple hours in the morning. So what does that look like? What is your day like? Because a lot of people, they want to get creative. They want to unleash the side of them, but they don't know how to fit it in. What do you say to this to this generation of us that we're all like running around like mad people? crazy women.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you something that I told my brother once. My brother, he loves film. And for a long time, he wanted to be a director. And I remember talking to him and he was going to college and studying film. He said, I just, I can't, just the idea of someone like a Steven Spielberg, I just look at their life and I think, oh, there's no way I just can't do it. And I said, you're right. You can't. Tomorrow, you cannot be Steven Spielberg, but Steven Spielberg did not become who he was overnight. It's the slow grind every day of practicing something that you truly love that gets you there. And I would say the one thing that has kept me sane in all of this is is giving myself grace in the process and going slow and knowing that it isn't a race, that this I'm not doing this because I need to make a certain amount of money or I need to provide for my family, then I'm grateful that I don't have that pressure. But I'm doing this because I love it. And with every step, I've said, even if it's 30 minutes a day, or I'm lucky and I get two hours a day in the beginning, that's enough for me to fill my cup and know that I'm working towards a goal. It's a lot like marathon training. I'll I'll take it back to that. You start with running five miles a day. And by the end of a four-month training schedule, which you're training every single day, maybe a Sunday off, you're up to 18 miles on a Friday, and you've built it up. But there's no way to jump from a five-mile run to running a 26.2-mile marathon. It's a slow grind. And in our society of instant gratification, so many people give up before they even started so, I would, I would highly recommend if there's something you want to do and you're working a full time job or you're full time mommy, just are like, ah, I can't do it. It's because you're thinking on the macro level of things. You're like, oh, I, I, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it eight hours a day. And that's not true. You think of it on a micro level and go, if I can have 15 minutes. Oh, I don't have a studio. I have a corner space in my kitchen. I have a corner space on my dining room table. For whatever you want to do, for your sparkle dust. And Amy, I'll put this back on you. You have done the same thing when it comes to entrepreneurship and, and being very, very aggressive in the things that you want to do and making them happen. You have, yeah, you've jumped around and gone and been ADD, but you all, but that's just because you have so many ideas. But when you focus on something, you bring it back, you go, I'm going to do this. And then you do it. And I've had the same experience with you where I've turned around and gone, Oh my gosh, she's really doing it. And it's kicking off and she's killing it. Just, this podcast, for example. I mean, I think a lot of us, you know, birds of a feather flock together, you and I definitely, but a lot of us, it's just a slow grind. Would you agree?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But for me and anybody who's my personality where, and we are talking about this in another episode that is not yet released, but I talked about how someone like me who was looking for a lot of affirmation from other people or from my success, I was getting almost – it was almost like a compliment if I was presented with an opportunity. So it was hard for me to say no. So any opportunities that would come my way, I'm like, yes, yes, oh my gosh, yes. And then next thing you know, my plate is full and I can't do any of them. In order to finally work on this podcast, I had to – not say no forever to everything, but I had kind of just had to put it over and, and shove it to the side and say, just not right now. Podcasting is going to be the only thing that I focus on. And that's right. it. And then here we are. And it's been yeah. awesome. It's been amazing. And it's filling my cup. And I hope others too. So the last thing I want to ask you about, this has had tremendous success for you, is you're painting a day. How do you, okay, it's one thing to stay motivated every day to do something, but to have motivation and creativity is actually a very hard formula. You've stayed motivated and you've had the creative wherewithal to paint a new painting every single day that is beautiful and inspiring. How do you do that?
1: Well, this was something that I did over the summer. For those of you that don't know, I did a a challenge at the beginning of the summer where I said I was going to paint a painting every single day, all summer long while my kids were at home. I was going to figure out a way to do it. So the idea came to me in April of last year, whenever I was reminded of something I'd heard about a couple of years ago called the 100 Day Project. And this is specific to the art world, but you could apply it to anything that you want to do. And the idea was make a commitment to yourself to, ha- to make a painting a day, a drawing a day, a sketch a day, something, but do it daily. Create a daily practice. And going into the summer, I was like, how am I going to continue? How am I going to, I can't build these collections of art and market them and take photos and put them on my website. I just don't have time for that. I've got the kids at home. I'm in between camps, but I'm also with them. How am I going to do this? So I said, all right. Why don't I just do this 100 day project, but I'll shrink it down a lot like I did with the basketball from a thousand baskets to a hundred? So I'll shrink it down and I'll do 60 because, you know, two months in the summer, I'll do 60 paintings. But to not overwhelm myself, I need to have a formula. So I will choose the same subject, which was my female ladies. I will paint it on the same size canvas, which is a 12 by 16, and I will do the same portrait style painting so i'm not going to do any very many paintings looking from the left and right side eye any of that I'm just straight on and i'm going to channel all of these this powerful female energy into these paintings and i'm going to do it once a day all summer so the night before i would wake up the next morning the kids would go to bed i'd run into my studio and i'd sketch out the lady i was going to draw and then i think about the color palette i wanted to start like i was going to paint the color palette i wanted to use and then the next morning, I'd wake up at 4.35, so I'm an early riser, and I'd start painting, and then the kids would wake up, I'd feed them breakfast, they'd come in and they'd paint and draw with me, and then I'd continue doing that, and then I'd drop them off at camp at 9, come back, keep working on it, and I was usually done by 11 o'clock. So I would spend a good four and a half, five hours working on a painting, and then I would post it. My idea was, I'll just post it to Instagram, which is where I film most of my work, and if somebody wants to buy it, I'll put it on my website for sale. If I don't sell one of these paintings that is perfectly fine with me, at the end of the summer, I'm going to have a beautiful collection of 60 pieces of artwork that I can either sell as a collection or I can just put them up in my own home. I'm perfectly fine with that outcome. And so that's the way I went into it. And after about 14 days of consistently painting and posting and sharing my story, of this a painting a day journey it just caught on like a wildfire and people started buying them every single day i'd post them and within 5 or 10 minutes it would sell just bam 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 and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe this is happening it was wonderful it was so exciting and then when that traction started happening i became even more inspired to paint every day and became more creative and i was getting validation that people liked what i was doing and then i was also Making some money on the side, so it was this really beautiful experience, and I felt so grateful to be able to have this. And it was cool because I felt connected to these people that were buying my work. They would usually reach out to me and go, "Oh man, I, this painting reminds me of my grandmother. This reminds me of me. Or I love that color palette. I've been looking for something. I want a strong female presence in my home. I'm, you know, I have a house full of boys, and I want a female painting on my wall." And your work So it was this really cool way that I was connecting with my buyers and my collectors. And it was such a cool experience. I would highly recommend that for anybody who has something they want to be good at,
0: to set a goal like that and uh, practice it every day. So by the way, you can check out Brittany on Instagram at Brittany Atkinson Art. And that's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N-A-R-T. And you're going to see all of her artwork there. And it's absolutely gorgeous and i just i hope this is okay that i say this but um you did all this while having extreme mold toxicity and poisoning <laughs> which <laughs> we won't even yeah. go into all that cuz that is a huge episode on its own but she had to move out of her house i mean that's how bad it is and she's been recovering from it and still still it's still a challenge but all of what she's done has been through that process you had every reason to quit. You had every reason to shelf this for a little while, but you still kept pushing because you knew that it was what you wanted to do and and your dreams and your goals were bigger than your excuses. Yeah, well, it fills up my soul. It touches a place within
1: me that it's not work. It's something I love to do and I feel so lucky and fortunate that I found it. So through father passing through postpartum, through mold illness, through life challenges, it was never hard to continue doing this because it made me so incredibly happy.
0: Well, I'm so I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited to be the one that you get to talk to and share this whole entire journey with on an intimate level and on a, another separate note. Brittany and I have been best friends since fourth and fifth grade. And I was rollerblading in April Sound. I had flyers because I was starting my own babysitting business. (laughs) And I was going to go post them at the April Sound Club. I'm in fifth grade. And your mom comes down the road in her little red car with her big blonde ponytail on the side and twirling it. And she rolls down her window and says, Hey, what's your name? I said, Amy. She goes, how old are you? I'm like, Eleven, she's like I think I was eleven, and she goes, my daughter is Brittany, and she sits in the back of the bus, and she's ten, and y'all should be friends. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> and I'm so grateful for that. But you know what's funny is that I have done that same method for my kids, and mm-hmm. it, my, I mean, one of Avery's best friends is be, because I did what your mom did. I just went out mm-hmm. on a limb and just and your mom. Of course, that's her personality, but she mm-hmm. went out on a limb and just introduced herself and just, I guess that's where you get your your drive from, uh, part of it. Yeah, I have a lot of mom. my mother
1: in me. Mm-hmm. That's 100% true. I absolutely do. I definitely got her drive. But Amy, I will say that my mom did that. You were not the first or the last. My mom did that a lot when I was growing up, but you were the one that stuck.
0: <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. She did that after me? Ugh.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who, who else I could mean, you have needed? I know. But but you and I are kindred spirits. You and I, you are my sister. I mean, a hundred percent through and through. You are my my confidant, my the person that I call for everything. You are my absolute best friend. Best friend is just I, it doesn't encompass what our relationship is and what you mean to me. It's on a whole other level. And I am extremely proud of you and grateful to be a guest on your podcast and I'm happy that you wanted me to share part of my story with your audience and like you said, you know you already know all of this, but it's been cool to do this with you and I just love you to pieces and you're just an amazing person. And everybody who's listening, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe and give her a wonderful review. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, and Brittany, you're so good at giving words of affirmation. By the way, that is part of her love language is words of affirmation. So everybody, go to her Instagram and check it out (laughs) and comment on how amazing her artwork is. And Brittany, you're an amazing friend. I love you so much. I'll call you back. I'll call you back in like five minutes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of According to the Castles with Amy and Trey. Be sure to subscribe
1: wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To stay up to date with the castles, follow Amy on Instagram at acastles. Until next time, have faith, enjoy life, and love abundantly.